It is another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. Ron, we're going to talk about uh, investing strategy here. And we hear the term buy, sell, hold. There are a lot of things. I can remember once uh, you and I having lunch. I'm going to go back 20, 25 years, whatever it was. And we were talking about a particular stock. And I said to you, what do you think I should do with this? And you said, buy it and put it in a drawer and forget about it. <laughs> and that's that's the hold option, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. Buy and hold. Yeah. But, so, you know, you, you, there's so many terms that are used. Buy, strong buy, underperform, neutral. And investors have to interpret this mumbo-jumbo, which often seems like a word salad to them. And for a lot of reasons. You know, I looked at a CNBC uh, story that came out in 2017, and the story is called Why Street Analysts Almost Never Put Sell Recommendations on the Stocks They Cover. And they had some very interesting statistics. And typically, analysts have rated at least 90% of stocks in the S&P index, which is over 500 stocks, as buys and holds. So the bulk of the stocks, 90% plus, have a buy or hold recommendation. And there's only usually about 2 to 5% of these stocks, on average, which have a sell recommendation. So the moral story here is it's very difficult to get analysts to sell or put a sell recommendation on a security. And so if an investor is using these as a guide as to whether they should be buying or holding or selling a stock, well, you get told to buy, but then you're pretty much left on your own. So... Boy, this is a tough one to, to go into. Can, can we think of an example? Let's, let's try to find an example. I mean, we often talk about Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett's company, and if you have the financial wherewithal to get in there, that's definitely a hold. If you bought that stock a long time ago and held on to it today, you'd be wealthy. So Very wealthy. But let's talk about one that maybe should have had a sell attached to it that hasn't. Well, let's take a look at IBM. Its shares are roughly trading at the level they were in 1998. Well, if uh, that's 25 use, years. <laughs> 20. Yeah, if I do, if if I use all of the fingers on both hands, I'm going to run through it two and a half times. So the stock has struggled to find growth catalysts to drive earnings growth, and you know it's had some very talented people uh, trying to take the helm of this thing and turn it around. And the company's literally gone through endless restructuring initiatives that have contributed to really uh, nothing more than an endless sideways. And, you know, with a stock going nowhere for 25 years, you'd think that analysts looking at this thing would be saying, well, you know, there's probably better places to put your money, sell it and move on. Well, currently there's 25 analysts who cover it, four rank it as a strong buy, three a buy, 15 a hold, two is an underperform, and zero consider it a sell. Zero. So investors shouldn't assume that analysts actually think IBM stock is worth holding or believe it will keep up with the S&P 500, which is what a hold suggests. In this case, holds are, in fact, just a gentler way of selling, which avoids the rating. So IBM, I mean, I'm thinking about that company. At one time, they were manufacturing computers. They were the they were the name that everybody jumped to, right? 
Then they kind of got out of that. They got into information technology. Now they're into managing businesses and helping you with payrolls. And as you say, they're trying to find a niche, but it doesn't seem to be setting the world on fire, right? No, and they're looking at doing uh, cloud computing and and, uh, software and and, uh, AI. And they've got a lot of uh, uh, irons and a lot of fires. But... And, and they, they have seen some results. I'm not saying that the company is, is uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a walking dead. It's not dead in the dead. water, no, no. No, it just, it just isn't going anywhere. So you have to ask yourself, why is this? And I think the, one of the main reasons is analysts don't want to look stupid. And if a stock goes the other way, if you've got a buy recommendation on it or a sell recommendation and it goes up, uh, hold is sort of the middle ground that is really useless for an investor, but it's safe for an analyst. You put hold on something, well, it doesn't sound as bad or look as bad as if something does a U-turn on you. So that's why the bulk of recommendations tend to be hold. Company complaints, is that a problem? Oh, uh, you know, Gord, being in the investment industry and talking to analysts all the time, one of their biggest uh, sources of frustration was the fact that often, if they had an opinion on a company that was really negative and the firm that they were working for was going to be doing some underwriting for them, in other words, uh, help them with a takeover, uh, sell stock or bond to investors, uh, doing consulting work or things like that, uh, they were told to kind of cool it on the sell, recommend- uh, sell recommendation and maybe put underperform or maybe put hold. But sell recommendations drive away corporate customers whose financing and M&A and, you know, merger and acquisitions really constitute a large part of the income that these firms earn. So, you know, anytime an an analyst wants to be really hard-edged and put a sell, you know, there's going to be pushback not only from corporate finance, but a lot of times the CEO or the, the chief financial officer is going to get on the phone and he's going to be kind of stewed over the fact that a sell recommendation has been put on its company, and that pressure will often flow down to uh, the analysts making the recommendation. So hold is a lot safer, right? (laughs) Oh, totally safer. And, you know, retail is not their audience. Most, if if you look at a sophisticated uh, institutional investors, uh, they don't really pay a lot of attention uh, to whether there's a buy, hold, or sell recommendation on the stock. They're looking at the numbers, and they use those numbers to make their own valuations or rankings. So, uh, you know, even the institutional guys are more interested in the numbers that that are crunched than the recommendations. I know when I was using analyst research, I really didn't care about what they had, if they had a buy, hold, or sell. I was far more in for interested in um, and digging in and looking at the financials, and analysts are really good at that. So if you're looking at a stock, you're better off often just, you know, putting a tape or, or white out the, the recommendation and just read the report, and you'll be able to figure out whether you should buy, hold, or sell in most cases. I can always remember, you know, watching a stock, for instance, when the quarterly numbers would come out, and maybe they weren't quite what was expected. Well, then the analysts would be all over it. <laughs> There'd be all these reasons saying, okay, it was just a blip on the radar. Don't worry about it. It's going to come back. I saw that so many times. Yeah, and so even if the news is negative, they tend to downplay it. So hold is just a gentle form of sell in many cases, which avoids that rating. So if you're, as I say, if you're an investor, 
and you're using analyst research, which is a good thing to do. I use it all the time. Just be a little suspect on the ratings that they're they're using, and uh, look at the research, read it over, and use that along with other sources to make your own decisions. And, you know, for instance, in our last show, Ron, we, we pointed out five different sectors where they were paying good dividends and stuff. I mean, if you've got a really solid company that's that's producing a good dividend, it's usually safe to say that's a hold or, you know, or maybe a buy. It's when it's when the color starts to turn red that sell should be the first word you come to, right? Yeah, especially consistent red ink because, you know, in spite of, you know, millennials and Generation Z having a penchant for wanting to own story stocks, companies that, that are a good story. Uh, at the end of the day, you've got to consistently make money. And, you know, areas like we talked about last week, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that show. I just looked at the TSX 60 index, which is the highest quality companies. I went and looked at companies that were paying yields of 5% more or more. And I took five companies from five different sectors that were all high quality, that had good balance sheets, not too much debt, didn't have a lot of competition, were major players in, in their industry, had good consistent growth records. And the average dividend on those five stocks was 6%. And so, you know, right now, there's just very, very good opportunities out there. And it's just a matter of looking around and using some common sense. All right. Well, digest that information. If you have a question about today's show or any other show, or perhaps a show suggestion, I mean, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. We've covered a lot of topics. I guess we're into year four now, aren't we, Ron? I think, yeah. Year four, yeah. So if you have a suggestion, please feel free to contact us. Letsmakemoney.ca is our website. It'll get to our inbox. Might not get to one of the shows immediately because sometimes the homework has to be done. Or you can reach us at cfcw.com as well. The show is called Making Money. Ron Hebert is the financial coach. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.